0: Welcome to the journey podcast, a show about health, wealth, and happiness. My name is Adam Brutley, and I am joined by my co-host Michael Baker. Whether you're looking to revamp your lifestyle or seeking a spark of inspiration, join us on this journey and let's explore the world your health
1: and wealth make possible. All opinions expressed by Adam and Michael and any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of journey wealth. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any health or financial decisions.
0: Hi, I'm Adam Brudeli, head of learning, development, and wellness at Journey Wealth, and I'm joined by my partner, Michael Baker, here, who I will turn it over to him to introduce himself.
1: I'm Michael Baker. I am the head of client experience for Journey Wealth, and excited to join you today, Adam.
0: Great. Well, this is our first go of this, Um, so looking forward to the opportunity. I think it could go a lot of different ways, to be honest with you. Um, The first one can always
1: be a little awkward. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first question people will have is journey wealth. How do we end up here talking about health and happiness?
0: Yeah, well, I will preface all of this with I am not a doctor. (laughs) But we think at Journey that I think there's an evolution happening in the industry right now. Um, It's really shifting from that perspective of financial wellness is something in that wealth world that we have talked about. But I think the evolution of the industry is moving in the direction to where there is much more that brings along wellness to families, to people, to clients. And
1: I think that starts kind of as a broader foundation. Yeah, so, so Adam, tell me, when you think about wellness, how do you structure your thoughts around that topic?
0: Yeah, I think not only personally, but at the firm, we think about it in four key pillars. Financial wellness, spiritual wellness, Physical wellness and mental wellness, and of those four pillars, right? They all serve their own purpose for the clients that we work with. And when you think about it, traditionally within the wealth management space, financial wellness is really that key piece, incorporated of financial planning, um, you know, cash flow, asset allocation, investments. Right? A lot of the typical words you hear in talking with the advisor world, but when you think about those other three pillars. We think those are the ones now more than ever that are really being integrated and should be integrated into people's lives. So within the firm, and as you know, because in your role, you're really at a key spearhead for kind of the the financial wellness component, heading up planning and everything we do in that world. You see it on a daily basis where we have clients or there are clients out there or investors or individuals, right? They can have all the wealth in the world, but when you look at the three other pillars, those aren't as fulfilled, right? The spiritual wellness, the physical wellness, the mental wellness. We can cite people in history. We can cite statistics. Um, for example, you know, by the second generation, seventy percent of families will lose their wealth, and by the third generation, ninety percent of families. But what's the key driver of that is not you know a lack of planning, a lack of an estate program. Um, all the things that kind of you think about when it comes to the typical financial wellness place, eighty percent of that is driven by lack of communication among a family, right? Sharing with their kids, you know what do we have? how do we how do we use it? You know what do we believe in? What's our mission statement as a family? What are our values? What are our principles? Um, financial literacy, educating the next generation, right? Those are all key components of financial wellness. And then that all spearheads into those other three key categories and buckets.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that's really important is the ability to manage portfolios, create financial plans, think about estate planning. That's table stakes in our industry. And what we've identified is that there are so many people out there that have the math equation solved. How do we make sure they're prepared to do the things they want to do with this money um, and, and really take ownership of the legacy they want to leave? So I think when we think about you know how we structure the thinking around those four pillars, I'm curious how you ended up at a place where you joined Journey Wealth at the end of last year, and you take on ownership of the health and wellness side of our business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to your point, it's, a, it's an interesting role uh, within a world that probably hasn't seen a lot of it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give my Marvel origin story really quick. Um, but as you're right, I'm born and raised in Northeast Ohio um, from Alliance, Ohio, which is just right down the road. Uh, my wife and I in 2006 went west. Um, but there's really much more to that. really. It really started kind of going back um, a little bit farther right. grew up in Alliance, Ohio, went to school, went to John Carroll University, um, was a finance major. And like many others came out of school uh, with thinking and believing in the things I think most of us did. Right. I'm going to graduate from college. I'm going to get a a high paying job. I'm going to get a title and I'm going to keep trying to advance those. Right. Make more money, get a bigger title, you know eventually have a bigger house and eventually buy more things, right? Like many of the things we think about, right? So you get the financial pillar covered. Right, exactly. Or what we think is the financial pillar. Um, And I graduated in 2001 from John Carroll University. And at that time, if anybody remembers, right, 2000, 2001, coming out of the tech bubble, um, I really took a job, uh, or really the first job I was offered Um, That was with a firm, a financial advisory firm, Um, and a part of that program was moving to New York for some time. So around that time, I graduate, moved to New York for a while, Um, and at that time, I was working in the World Trade Centers, right? And we all know um, around that time frame what occurred, right? 9-11. So at that time, I was working in the World Trade Center on the 61st floor, I was a 22-year-old kid, um, you know, really didn't know what he was doing or what he wanted in life, but thought he knew. And then, uh, again, a kid from Ohio, not a, you know, first real trip to a big city, was very naive in a lot of ways also. But within that experience, um, you know, that all occurred. So working that day on the 61st floor, you know, standing at the top of the building Uh, The fire alarm got pulled or what went off was the fire alarm. And you kind of got the announcement, you know, please, you know, shuttle out, walk down the stairs. Um, There was an emergency, but really nobody understood what was going on. So, again, like everyone else, I, I, you know, I followed the crowd, headed down the steps, you know, made it a couple couple levels down, a couple stories down. And you kind of heard the announcement, well, actually go back to your seats. Um, You know, everything's fine. Uh, But again, as a kid who knew really nothing that was going on or what was happening, I just kept shuttling down uh, each uh, level or floor. And that's when it really struck me, right? When things really kind of came into perspective. So I got to around the 40th floor, and that's when my building was hit. So at that time, it was 903 which we'll talk a little bit more later. But it was really when things kind of came into understanding of, like, whatever this was, it wasn't good, right? So continued walking down. The, the, the crowds are a little more panicked. Um, you know, flight after flight after flight, right? And you keep moving, and, and you really knew something was wrong as you got down to around, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12. And as I was going one way... The police and firemen were going up the other way, right? And you know, you walk down and you walk out into a lobby, and again, hard for me to understand as a as a kid who grew up in a small town. Um, but you know, the original World Trade Center those lobbies, those elevators. Um, you know, they were massive, but as you were being escorted and directed out, right, you could see the kind of destruction and devastation. Right, there was the the lobby was blown out. Um, you know, had all the firemen and policemen really shuttling you in the right direction on what to do. And again, didn't truly grasp or understand what was happening. Um, and I don't think many did, but upon walking out, looking around at the crowds and then looking up and seeing what really was happening, right? What many people saw on TV at that time were the two buildings on fire, um, And with all that being said, you know, standing there and looking up and and then again, naive, not very smart, but I just kind of said to myself and the few people that I didn't know that I was with, like, why are we standing around? You know, we we probably want to get out of here. So started walking and again at that time. So I'm dating myself a little bit. But, you know, there were flip phones. Right. Uh, You know, if anybody remembers those anymore. Um, still pay phones around in the cities, but it was really surreal because everything stopped, right? It was like everyone hit a pause button. Cars were stopped in the, in the streets. Um, cab doors were just wide open, people standing around looking and watching. Um, it got a few blocks away and that's when you heard the rumble. And what that rumble was, was my building falling. So my building, uh, tower two was the second one to get hit, but the first one to fall. And again, that's when things really continued to kind of be reframed, right? You really start to understand that whatever just occurred, because again, you know, other than people sharing, hey, this happened, this happened, no one really understood the ramifications of what went on and kept moving. And because again, at that time um, there were pay phones, there were cell towers were on top of the building. So cell phones pretty much stopped working. And as I kept shuffling back to Midtown, which is where I was staying, you kind of looked for pay phones. But every one of those pay phones was about 30, 40 people deep, people trying to make phone calls. So you just kept moving in one direction, right? So about two and a half to three hours later, I got back to where I was staying and finally started to put in perspective, actually, what, what happened. Um, And this is kind of when it really struck me because I come from uh, two parents. They were both teachers. Um, Again, no one had cell phones, right? Like there was no Twitter or X. There was no Instagram. There was no, you know, instant notification of anything, right? My parents were both pulled out of school. Um, Being teachers, my mother taught kindergarten. My father taught history. Um, Friends of theirs, they had been in the system for a real long time. The principal's. Both came in and said, hey, um, and who I knew right from growing up and going to to school there, you know, isn't Adam in New York? Isn't Adam working in the World Trade Centers? And they pulled them out and, you know, had to share with them exactly what happened. I got back. My first phone call was to my mom. And hearing her on the other line, because not knowing, again, as a 22-year-old, right, like, we we think we're invincible. invincible. We we think the world is our oyster. Nothing's ever going to happen to us. And calling my mom and hearing her on the other end just completely start to, to let loose in terms of, you know, tears and I could hear it in her voice talking to my dad. That's when everything really changed for me, right? Like the experience itself changed me, but hearing that on the other end, right, is what really reframed my perspective. Long story short, which is already pretty long, um, a few days later, I realized I don't want to be here anymore. Uh, It it was, you know, I just wanted to get back home. I took a train, an Amtrak, uh, because there was the only way to get off the island at the time. It was an 11-hour train ride. Uh, My girlfriend, who is now my wife at the time, my best friend and his girlfriend picked me up from a train station in Pittsburgh and drove me back home, saw my parents. And that's when kind of my perspective for all of this changed. So that's a lo- that's a lot to share, Michael. Um, you know, in terms of the actual story, but that's the story that reframed you know my future and got me to to where I am now.
1: Yeah, I think you know, uh, can't imagine what that experience is like. But I would be interested to to understand a little bit more. So you, twenty some year old, recent college graduate, living in this city, a certain lifestyle comes along with that. Something like this happens, jump on a train, move back to Northeast Ohio. What how did your life change from that point? And what were the things that led you to a place where now you're at Journey Wealth helping people think about what health and wellness looks like in their life? Yeah. You know, I think it
0: it didn't start immediately. Right. Like I graduated much like, uh, you know, a lot of college students. I graduated from college. Entered into the real world, but kept many of the behaviors from those four years of school. Right. So again, at that time, I, I was you know wasn't the healthiest person. I could easily spend twenty bucks at the Wendy's dollar menu, and that was my dinner. The entire twenty dollars. I was an athlete growing up. I was an athlete in college for a few years. Um, however, you know, again as I left and went into the real world, you know, the idea of exercise and working out weren't at the top of my list. Um, And then, you know, the the fun part, right? Like, or what we we thought was fun, you know, the ideas of late evenings, going out, enjoying yourself, or again, a part of that experience. And why I share all that was, is, you know, back to those pillars we talk a lot about is when you looked at each one of mine, there, there were a lot of cracks, right? They, you know, they, they weren't as strong as they should have been. And so coming back after those, those, that time frame, I really kind of came back and said, what's important to me. And I really started to see what's important when I heard, you know, it, I would always come back to the tone of my mom and her voice on the phone and realizing, you know, what do I want to do with my life? Right? Like that life isn't, you know, it won't always be there perhaps. Right. It's, you know, it, anything can be taken away, right? So you need to live the life that you want to live and not the life that you think others want you to live. And that's what really framed for me. And what I mean is I got back, and again, it was an instant. It was a lot of start, stop, start, stop, up and down. Um, you know, for example, uh, my wife, who is, is been, we've been together for 20 plus years in some form or fashion, you know, she said, hey, you probably should start working out, you know, like that would be a good place to start. Um, You know, I thought I was in shape. We went on a run. Uh, What I felt was about seven miles in. I was like, hey, we got to be about done. And she's like, no, you've made it two miles. And I thought I was going to keel over and she should just leave me there. Right. Um, You know, from an educational perspective, you know, I had this idea like it was important. I want to make more money. I want to get another title. And I was done learning. Right. Like I went to school for four years. I'm done. Let me take a break. Let me go have fun. And I made the decision like, hey, I actually want to continue to learn. Right. Like fundamentally and foundationally, that's one of the key components of tapping in to potential. Right. So I decided to go back to graduate school. Um, I picked a half marathon to start running. I bought a yoga DVD, right? This is 2001, 2002. I went down to, I don't know if it was a Barnes and Nobles or a Borders and bought a Rodney Yee yoga DVD. I still remember. I probably still have it in my dad's box in the basement. But but what I started to believe was, right, like there was so much else out there that needed to bring me happiness because it wasn't going to be predicated on, I go from making X dollar amount to another dollar amount, or I get this title or I get in at seven and I leave at seven, right? Like those weren't really the values that were going to bring kind of my happiness, uh, to my life. And so I share that because again, I took those steps to try to give back what I learned that day, right? Again, that it can all be, be pulled away from an instant. There's a great Marcus Aurelius quote, that goes something in the sense of um, you could leave this life at any moment. Let that determine what you do, say, and think. And ever since then, I've held that kind of pretty close to my heart, right? Because that mantra is what kind of fueled me for the last 20 years. And again, you've asked that question and I've given a very long answer, but what does that mean and why is that a journey? And what it is is that experience that started that day and has carried through my life for 20 plus years and brought me here has brought me a lot of really wonderful things right like it's the take one step forward you know get better 1% right all of those fundamental things that i think can bring happiness to our lives and allow us to live a life kind of fulfilled right finding out what our why is or our purpose was predicated on that is finding those four pillars that time And then trying to bring those here. And that's really what we're trying to do at Journey. As you said kind of really well, right, a lot of people that we work with or a lot of people out there, you know, they have the math problem solved. But what else can they do, right? And meaning, you know, we're often told, you know, work really, really, really hard. Build your balance sheet. Save a bunch of money. Get a bigger title. Do all this for for 62 years, or whatever it is, retire, and then you're going to live your best life right after that.
1: But none of that is guaranteed, right? Is that what you want? Yeah, I think an important element is, you know, we work with so many people that are successful by all financial metrics. And, you know, you jump on Instagram or social media and you see all of this success and how wonderful their life is. But what's fascinating and what I've learned from you in the time that I've been with Journey is, that doesn't even come close to telling the whole story. So I think what what might be valuable is to, to dive into some of those other pillars, right? When we talk about physical wellness, we talk about mental wellness, and maybe starting with spiritual wellness. What does that mean, and how do we broach those conversations with clients at Journey?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, spiritual wellness, right? Like, well, I think when people hear that term, it can be a little bit loaded, Um, You know, people can take it in a lot of different directions, but when, you know, when we talk about it at the firm, it's really what's your why, what's your purpose, what gets you out of bed each morning, um, you know, whatever that may be. You know, I personally went through that, um, you know, before prior to joining Journey, I've had a career with a firm for a really long time. It was there 15 plus years, Um, loved it and loved everything about it but just felt that my purpose or my why was starting to shift. And that's what drove me to join the firm here. Right. And I get up every day and I tell people this, I'm so fortunate if I wasn't being paid, I would be doing all these same things. Right. Literally, you know, reading about these topics, working out, um, sharing it with friends and family. In my previous career, I was the, the person that people would ping or go to, hey, I'm going to run my first race. I want to change my diet. I want to start exercising more. I'm looking for a book recommendation or a podcast um, because it was my passion and it still is my passion. It's what it is. And that's what it is, is to your point, you know, whoever we're working with, families, um, entrepreneurs, executives, um, whatever, it, whoever they may be, you know, that is the fundamental foundation in asking that question is, what is your why? What is your purpose? Um, Arthur Brooks, an amazing author, um, professor, um, asks his two, two questions to his MBA Harvard students. They are, for why are you alive, and for what are you willing to die? Right. The, those are really big. That's a lot to unpack in those two, but he often says, if you can't answer those
1: two, you're really not sure what your why is. Yeah, and I think in the conversations I have with our clients on a regular basis, their why at the outset is grow the business. I wake up every day to be successful by standards that were set by somebody else. And I think where I've seen you have a lot of success talking to some of the most skeptical people on the face of the earth is you get them to reframe their thinking um, and, and you give them a platform through which they can start at the place where success is driven by finance and get to a place where they define success in their own way. Um, so maybe tell us a little bit about how you approach that um, and, and kind of what those conversations look like to help people go through that journey. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, back to the four pillars of the firm,
0: you know, those anchor everything we do. Right. You know, of course, of course, for, first and foremost, we are a financial firm. A lot of it does start with financial wellness. Right. And that's often how people come to us. But again, we could I could share the data with you both, uh, you know, on paper and anecdotally. I know in your role and your career, you have seen many of these same things. But Again, often people come to us with that very component. Um, How do I continue to build my balance sheet? And what I mean by balance sheet is my financial balance sheet, cash flow, um, business, um, all the other assets and resources. And what we try to do and where I start often is reframing that balance sheet perspective and starting to ask one key question, right? The one resource we cannot create more of no matter how much money you have, whatever it is, is time. Right? Time is the most scarce resource, the one that we cannot get more of. And it starts there. Fundamentally, asking that question is: What do you want to do with your time? And how is it important to you? Right? So the idea of you know, an entrepreneur, a, a, a C-level executive, a physician. Um, you know, a banker and the list goes on is, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want your life to look like? Right. And that's a big question, be it one year, three years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. Like those are questions that we're asking often in a financial planning process. And we're just repurposing them at the firm and asking, what do you want
1: your life to look like professionally and personally? Yeah, I think, you know... One of the things we riff on often is that concept of time and and how are we able to quantify the time we can give back to people. Working hard is not the same thing as working smart. And when you say you want to do something, one of our primary jobs and one of the things that I think really makes us different is if you tell us that you want to take your family on vacation, spend more time with the kids, get in shape, our job is to hold you accountable And we need to give you a framework around which to make sure that you can not only say you want to do those things, but know what you need to do and then reflect on the successes as you have them. I think that's a really critical element is we have a tendency to think about what's next. And I think you do a really nice job talking about recognizing that you've had a lot of success. Now we want to start to think. Craft and mold that to make sure that you continue to move forward and continue to identify new goals, so you're never satisfied.
0: Yeah, I I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I think again back to that origin story and how I got here is, you know, the things I shared at the very beginning, right? Like my my first two mile run, or you know, eventually moving two thousand miles away from family, um, you know, taking on a new career, um, you know, pursuing that that. That physical wellness bug was a big one for me. I think, and in, in what pulled me through a lot of the things that I took away from 9 11 that I experienced afterwards, right? And what I mean is, you know, I got the bug of marathon, marathon to Ironman, Ironman to ultra running, ultra running to mountain climbing, right? Whatever it is, it was kind of putting myself outside of my comfort zone and finding out, you know, what that experience was like. And that helped me grow. And I think we're taking those same principles and applying them over here at the firm, right? And asking the questions I think you just shared is, you know, back to the time component of what do you want to do with that? What do you want out of life? And, you know, we often hear, well, you know, from someone who I, I'm, my balance sheet is very well structured. You know, I have plenty of money. Um, I'm just going to keep working. Um And then in 10 years, I'm going to buy that vacation house. I'm going to, you know, take all these trips. I'm going to have my kids or grandkids down. Um, All these things, right? Like all the things that we talk about, all the things we think about within life. But you're sitting here and you are breathing heavy when you walk up the steps. You haven't had a strong relationship with your children, maybe haven't talked to them you know, in in three, six, ten months, twelve months, um, you, you know, you you, you haven't thought about kind of physically, can I do all those things? Right. Like, is this what the relationship with my wife and I have in terms of, um, you know, wanting the same things at the end? Right. Like all of the things we think that we are doing for ourselves by putting in that effort or putting in that time or doing all the work. You know, there's a lot of ramifications from that and it's reframing people to rethink about what
1: is important and what I want life to look like. Yeah. You know, we talk about exploring the world that your wealth makes possible. And I think that really is, is what it's about. We work with a lot of business owners and they're really good at driving revenue driving success within their business and i think providing them with a framework or helping them reframe what's made them successful in business is a is a core element and and really allows them to say okay i'm going to take these things that have allowed me to be successful financially and i'm going to retool them in a way that you know i'm going to run that half marathon I'm going to take my wife on that trip we've talked about for the last 20 years as she's been there raising kids while I built the business. And so I think, you know, it, it's a truly unique aspect of what we do. And I can tell you from my experience, it makes it really fun to go to work every day because we get to to help people live the life they want to live. And I think so much of that starts with, you know, the work you're doing with these folks to make sure they're headed in the right direction. Yeah. I mean,
0: our tagline, right, is, uh, you know, helping people live the life they want that their health and wealth makes possible. Right. Like that is really it. And to your point, um, you know, whoever we're working with, it's just rebuilding those four pillars and establishing. Right. Where is the pendulum swinging to your point with entrepreneurs as an example? Right. That pendulum to do the things they often do can be swung pretty far to the left sometimes. Right. What it takes to go out. Take the risk, build the business, and everything that goes into making it successful is a critical component. But to your point, at some point, that pendulum needs to swing back, right? And making sure that that foundation is strong across all four pillars is the key piece of it. You could have all the money in the world, but if you don't have strong relationships with friends and family, um you don't have a, a passion or a purpose, you don't have hobbies, you're not in the physical condition you need to be, like that doesn't, you know, get you where you want to go, right? All those other ones are just as important as that financial wellness piece, and I think that is what we have started to reframe and think about for clients and helping them understand how critical the financial wellness portion is to the other 3 and that none of them are mutually exclusive. And I think that's the key piece. I think our industry for a really long time has anchored to that financial wellness piece. Um, and it's migrated over time, right? You know, if you go back in the industry 20 25 years ago, you know, it started as building a portfolio, stocks and bonds. You know, from there what you saw were, you know, a little bit migration or movement into kind of financial planning and and the elements within that. And I think now more than ever, it's really anchoring to a more holistic offer that, you know, that touches on the financial wellness piece, which is a critical component, but then touching on all the other parts um, that we're thinking about spiritual, mental, physical wellness. Because if you don't if no, if four of those pillars are not all strong, it's going to be a struggle, right? You're not going to go and
1: get to where you want to be. Yeah, and I think we see that in the relationships that we build with our clients, right? It's a trust based business. And candidly, it doesn't matter whether you sit down with Journey or any of the other wealth management firms across the industry, many of them are going to be telling a similar story investments, you know, creating portfolios. In many ways, it's table stakes. I think we do things really well. But what, what differentiates us and I think why we have such strong relationships with our client is that we're engaging with them at a deeper level and really shifting the focus away from, you know, what did my portfolio do relative to the S&P 500, which candidly does not matter in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, when we think of a financial plan, the financial plan tied in with some of the other thoughts around health. Mental wellness, spiritual wellness. We want to tie all of that together to make sure that we're focusing our conversations with our clients around that holistic picture. And so, you know, rather than the annual meeting with your client where you sit down and show them their portfolio, go through a couple of bullet points to talk about what's going on in the economy or, you know, what happened in the markets last year. We certainly want to make sure that people are on target from a financial perspective, but highlighting the importance of this is what you said you wanted to do. This is where you were successful. This is where we see opportunity for you to take further strides. Right. And then arming them with the tools that are going to allow them as they head into the new year to continue to show progress in those various areas. I think is is putting us sort of at the forefront of what wealth management will look like on a go forward basis. It's not just dollars and cents, right? Wellness is closely tied to success from a wealth standpoint.
0: Yeah, and I think you, you phrased it really, really well. And you know, uh, your key component. I think you know, I'll share like one of the key things we do in the planning process um, and in the kind of the in my role within the wellness process is actually ask the question is, what is wealth, right? Like, we all have a definition that is personal to ourselves. I think from a society perspective, wealth is typically defined on balance sheet numbers, right? Like, how much money's in your account? What are your investments worth? You know, what's your business worth? But maybe that's not the right definition. So know? I'm going to put you on the spot, Adam. How do you define wealth? Yeah, I mean, for me, wealth is... Is freedom, to be honest, because what that freedom gives me is, is where the wealth for me can be found. Meaning, you know, that freedom to go spend time with my kids, that freedom to go, you know, running or ride a bike, um, exercise, right? That freedom to travel with my wife, um, that freedom to go spend time with my parents, right? All of those are how I define wealth you know one of the reasons for example we moved back from uh, out west in 2020 was i started asking that question and w- that question was was how many summers and what i mean is you know we think about especially back in northeast ohio you know summer is the is the is the time right you're outside the it's warm the pool the weather you know for golfers right like whatever it is um for me as a runner it's it's some of the, my favorite time to be out on the trails but how many summers and what I meant was how many summers will I have left with my kids, right? My, my children are eight and six, you know, about 75% of the time you spend with your kids is up until the age of 12. And then about 90% up until the age of 18. And I think when you think about that, that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, my parents, my parents are 72 years old. Um, you know, we could talk about lifespans and we could, we could get into the minutia of that data but I started asking, how many summers do I have with my parents? And, you know, what that meant was one of the key decisions was that it was time to move back home. And now I live literally four minutes from them. And that can be overwhelming perhaps for some people, but for me, it was really important. You know, so whether that is, you know, being able to get my kids on the bus, whether that is helping coach a team, whether that's taking them to the pool. You know, for example, I'm not a golfer. I bought golf clubs just so I could go play with my boys and hit golf balls. Like, that's what's important. So it's really, it's it's freedom. And, and freedom and time connect to dots. And it's why we ask that question of wealth, and I'll, I would kick it back to you, you know, in that same perspective. Like, how do you define it?
1: Yeah, for me, it, it's... The ability to, very similar to you, the ability to spend the time and spend the energy that I have, which I know is finite for those of you that have kids, right? I would give anything to have 20% of the energy they have, but with that finite amount of energy and time, spending it with the people that fulfill my life, right? I'm fortunate to have married my high school sweetheart, have two- young boys who constantly challenge me in so many ways and um you know like you i live very close to my parents my siblings live in northeast ohio as well um but i you know as i think about how that relates to what i spend a lot of my time doing which is being at work i've been in the industry now for almost 15 years and what i have found as i've made that journey is that the people that you work with have a significant impact on your ability to enjoy what you do, right? Again, the financial element of what we do, that doesn't shift much, whether I work at Journey or another firm, but the vision and the way that we're able to deliver services to our clients and do it in a way and with a group of people that are like-minded and really focused on rowing in the same direction is such a core element of what drives my happiness. So the ability to work with you and with the team at Journey is a really important element of it. And it it sort of adds to the the success I have in my personal life. And, you know, we all want to make money. That's an important element as the financial planner sitting here. I'm here to tell you what you do and your ability to drive that financial balance sheet is going to allow you to dive deeper into those other elements of your life that truly fulfill you. So I think, again, very similar to you. Who do I want to spend time with? What do I want to do with that time? And how can I generate the financial resources to be able to invest in the things that are important to me? Yeah, that's wonderful.
0: And, uh, you know, I'll I'll nerd out from a little bit of a minute here as a finance and accounting, uh, you know, background. But I think about what we're doing as helping people build the goodwill on their balance sheet. Right. And that's how I explain it to a lot of our clients specifically, you know, especially the ones who have lived and breathed investments and statements and balance sheets and and everything with that is is goodwill. Right. And, And good goodwill is really hard to quantify. But that's what we're building up for them, right? You may not see whatever the time you put into something, you know, when you first start to exercise or volunteer to coach or spend more time with your kids or book that first trip or whatever it is, right? That gives you purpose and happiness. But at some point, you're going to see the return on the investment and it's going to build up that goodwill on your balance sheet. And again, it may be hard to quantify, right? But in the long run, you're going to feel better for it. And I think that's really what we are trying to do at Journey.
1: Yeah. And I think you see it so many places. I'm deeply involved with a nonprofit group here in Northeast Ohio. And I was fortunate enough to be able to take my 10 year old to play basketball with a group of kids with special needs. Right. And the one thing I emphasized to him as we were walking in the door is we're not here for us. Right. And I have to phrase it that way to a 10-year-old so that he's not in there demonstrating all the skill that he has. But what I hit him with on the way out was, I don't know about you, but the ability to spend time with people and help them really enjoy the time they spent, this was absolutely a benefit to me and I hope you feel the same way. And it was it was awesome to see him come home, run upstairs and tell my wife about the experience. So it's it's things like that that's the reason I do what I do is, you know, if I can get him thinking about that, get him focused on the right things and not focused on how do I make the next dollar, even though he'll certainly learn that as well. Um, those are the kind of things I think we want to make sure that we're, we're passing on to our clients and we certainly see a lot of that. Yeah. And I think that's,
0: uh, I mean that's very well said, right? And I think what we are going to try to do here again, this was uh, you know our first go around, so um, you know there's probably some ups and downs and some bumps and bruises. But what we hope people will take away from this is, you know, we're starting to plant some different seeds out there, and over time with this show and, and a few of our other platforms, what we want to do is kind of plant those seeds, water them, give them some sunlight, and help them to grow, right? And so if, if people can take away A few things here or a few things there. I think that's what we really want to do with this platform um, as we move into the future. And I think it would be remiss, again, not to say that, um, you know, we would love for people to join us on the journey, Um, you know, the play on the words here on the on the emblem in the screen. But, you know, we look forward to kind of many of these in the future. And just to kind of set up our next show, we will be joined by our partner and president at Journey Wealth, T.J. Gliha, who's not only going to tell his story, but more importantly, the story of the firm and and how we've arrived and how this all integrated together. So Michael, thank you. This has been fun. Um, I apologize
1: that, uh, you know, if I'm a little rough around the edges, but hopefully we'll get better over time. No, I think, you know, one of our core values is authenticity and you exude that on a daily <laughs> basis. So I, I truly enjoyed conversation today and look forward to hearing from TJ next time. Sounds good. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too.